Happy Sunday, everyone, and welcome to our online services. I'm so grateful that you've chosen to join us again today. If uh, you're new with us, my name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and I hope that you had a great Easter celebration last week, however or wherever you celebrated Easter. I know for my family, it was very unusual, as it was for most people around the world, as we were celebrating Easter online. Uh, But for my family, it was a great opportunity opportunity for us to do something that we rarely ever get a chance to do, and that's to celebrate Easter together. Uh, We are usually so active in our church. uh, We're serving in multiple different places, and so for us to celebrate together by being able to watch a service, have a great discussion about that service. Later in the day, we had a, a great meal together. We just got to spend a lot of time together on Easter. And that's a rare thing for us. And it was a special treat. So I hope that your Easter was very meaningful and personal for you. Now, today we're starting a new series that is an extension of last week's message. And last week we talked about how God intended Easter to be personal. And the reason God intended that is because God is a personal God who wants a personal relationship with all of us. So today we're starting a new series called The 5G Life, and it's an extension of what we're talking about when we're talking about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus and how to grow in that relationship. Now, let me clarify, we're not talking about internet technology, Again, we're talking about the five G's and how those things can help us grow in our relationship with God in a spiritual context. Now for us at Epic, the five G's go back to before we started as a church over 10 years ago. So before we started, a group of us spent some time reading scripture and trying to find in scripture, what are the core disciplines that we saw Jesus doing, that we saw Jesus asking his disciples to do that would help us grow in our relationship with God. And as we explored scripture, we found five specific things kept coming to the surface. And we captured those things in what we called the 5G life. Again, a way for us to grow spiritually and our relationship with God. So here are the five G's. God, grow, gather, give, go. God, grow, gather, give, go. So we start with God. That represents talking to God, listening to God through prayer. And then grow represents reading our Bible and applying it to our lives. Gather represents getting in a small group context with other Christ followers and learning to live in biblical community. Give represents giving of our time, talents, and treasures to advance God's kingdom. And then go represents going into all the world, telling everyone everywhere about Jesus. And those are the things that we should be active in, in our relationship with God, if we expect that relationship to grow. We should be active in all five of those things, even though we may engage them at different paces or different levels in our lives. Now, as we walk through this series, Here's what I encourage you to do. If you are a Christ follower, I encourage you to evaluate your life based on these five G's. And as you're evaluating your life, just look at these G's and see how you're doing in relationship to those things. It's something I do on a regular basis in my life. And if you ever run into anybody who's from Epic Church, or maybe in your home right now, you're wearing one of these wristbands. Uh, We hand out these wristbands as a way for us to 
remind ourselves what these five G's are and what we should be doing in our relationship with God to grow a right relationship with him. So there are moments that I'll just pause and I'll read through these five G's and looking at my wristband and evaluate how am I doing in those things? And I'll make course adjustments in my life based upon the five G's. Now, if you aren't a Christ follower yet, What I encourage you to do as we walk through this series is listen for how a relationship with God could look like for you. And you'll hear some things I think that might surprise you. I think it'll be a little different than what you anticipate a relationship with God being like. So listen for how personal God wants to be in a relationship with you. And I think that'll help guide you as we walk through this series together. So we're gonna start with our first G and that's God. So listen to the first verse in the Bible, Genesis chapter one, verse one. It says, in the beginning, God. So before there was a beginning, God was already here. And then God says in Revelation 1, eight, he says, I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. So if you're an educator, it would be like standing in front of your class saying, I am the A and I am the Z the beginning and the end. The reality is there is no direction in life that we can go that God isn't already there. And listen to what King David said about that in Psalms 139 verse seven. He said, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and night are the same to you. Again, there's no direction in life that we can travel where God isn't already there. So the first G starts with God and it represents talking to God through prayer. Now, I realize that that word prayer evokes many thoughts and many emotions in different people. For some people, that word is something they cherish because it means that they have the opportunity to communicate with God on a regular basis and they just cherish that. For some other people, it's something that they think that that's a waste of time because they think God doesn't exist. Or other people think prayer is a waste of time because God doesn't seem to answer their prayers. Some people are intimidated by prayer saying like, I don't know how to pray. Like, what do I say to God? I'm not really sure what to say to the creator of the universe. There are some people that think God doesn't wanna hear their prayers because they're not spiritual enough or they're not important enough or maybe they did something really bad last night and they're thinking God doesn't wanna hear from me right now or I really don't wanna hear from God or hear what he has to say. So again, the word prayer evokes all kinds of emotions and thoughts in different people. It even does that in my life as well. See, for me, I grew up in a church culture. I grew up around the church world. And growing up in that culture, I got to hear some people praying some amazing prayers. And they would pray pray stuff that sounded like William Shakespeare had written it. 
And I would hear those prayers and think, that is so amazing. God must be so impressed with them. And then I would think, God must not be impressed with me at all because I don't pray like that. And so I'd listen to them pray and I'd think, well, I could never pray like that. So God must not really want to hear from me. And then get this, I I grew up in a church culture where it was common for the pastor to ask someone in the audience to pray in the service. Could have been at the beginning, could have been at the end, but it'd be common for the pastor to look into the audience and ask somebody to, to stand up and pray. And usually it was a church leader, but at the time I didn't really know who that was. I just knew somebody in the audience was praying. So when I saw the pastor looking around, I looked at my shoes. I was not gonna make eye contact with the pastor in fear that he would ask me to pray. And then the whole church would, would know how much of a bumbling idiot I am when it comes to praying. So I was not excited about prayer and my prayer life because I had so many things to compare it to. And then to to make my prayer anxieties worse, I married a prayer warrior. If you know my wife, Tammy, she is amazing at praying. She prays some deep, passionate, powerful prayers. And uh, I found that out when we got married. So when we got married 26 years ago, uh, we heard somebody say that a couple that prays together stays together. And so we thought, hey, this would be a great idea, something for us to do to engage each other and engage God spiritually. And it was probably more my wife's idea than mine at the time because I had a little prayer anxiety there. Um, But we decided we were going to start praying together. And we decided we would do that at night. And so before going to bed, we were actually laying in bed. We were facing our pillows. So we weren't, you know, facing the ceiling. We were facing our pillows and we had our hands kind of folded and our our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And Tammy went first. Tammy prayed a deep, powerful, passionate, long prayer. And I think she was just so excited to be connecting with God and her new husband at that time spiritually. The only problem was I fell asleep. So as Tammy was praying, I was sleeping. And when she finished and said, amen, she looked over at me and realized that her new husband was asleep. So I woke up and she asked, hey, are you sleeping? And I answered, of course not. I was in such deep prayer with you as you were praying. And the reality was I was sleeping. So when I woke up enough to pray and realized, hey, it's my turn, I kind of dropped the ball there. I closed my eyes and prayed, God, thank you for this food. So we were in bed, going to bed at that time. And the moral of the story is if you want somebody to pray for you, ask my wife, Tammy, don't ask me. Now, over the past 26 years, I have learned a whole lot more about prayer. And you're probably grateful for that being that I'm a pastor and praying is is one of the things that, that I do. But prayer can be a very intimidating thing for a whole lot of people. So today I want to take some of the intimidation out of it and and break it down to its most simple level for us and explore what it means for us to talk to God through prayer. To start that, I want to define prayer for us. Simply defined, prayer is a conversation with God that involves talking and listening. So let me repeat that. Simply defined, Prayer 
involves a conversation with God that involves talking and listening. And I know that sounds super simplified, but again, in my mind, there's moments I need it that simple to, to get handles on it and to understand how I can grow in it. And if you think about those two things, those two things are critical for any real healthy relationship that we have with anyone. We've got to be able to talk and we've got to be able to listen. So imagine being in a relationship with someone who never or rarely ever talks to you. That's a real challenging relationship to be in. And maybe some of you are in a relationship like that. Or imagine being in a relationship with someone who rarely or never actually listens to you. They spend all their time talking And that's a challenging relationship as well. So to have a good, healthy relationship, we have to be able to balance both talking and listening. So let's start with how to talk to God. One day, Jesus had one of his disciples come up and ask him, Jesus, please teach us how to pray. So Jesus began a lesson on prayer. And we've got that recorded in Matthew chapter six. So listen to some of the things that Jesus said, starting in verse five. Verse five, Jesus said, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and your prayer to your father and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like that for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Now, let me just clarify a few things that Jesus said in those few verses there. First thing is this, Jesus is saying, don't pray to get people's attention. If our goal is to get praise from other people, we may get that, but God won't be impressed with our prayers. Our, our goal should be to get God's attention, not people's attention as we pray. Here's something that Jesus isn't saying. Jesus isn't telling us, don't pray publicly. Jesus prayed publicly. There's public prayers found all throughout scripture. Again, I think Jesus is going back and saying, don't pray publicly to get people to think you are some great, amazing prayer. Don't pray to get uh, people's attention. Pray to get God's attention. Then Jesus said, don't pray the same repetitive prayer over and over again. Now, this is where some of us start to struggle and there's a real tension for how some of us grew up. Some of us grew up in a church culture that taught us how to pray the same prayers over and over again. And maybe there's a category of different prayers that we can pray. If you have this issue or that issue or that issue, you pull out that prayer and you just repeat that prayer over and over again. And and it may feel weird to hear Jesus say, Don't pray like that, especially if you grew up in a culture that you were taught that. But here's why Jesus said that. Imagine being in a relationship with someone and every time you talk to them, they say the exact same words, like a script that they are reading. Imagine how shallow that relationship would be. We don't want relationships like that. 
And God doesn't want relationships like that either. So Jesus said, don't just pray a prayer over and over again, word for word, hoping just your repetition in your words is gonna get God's attention. It's not. God wants us to pray personally. He wants a personal relationship with us. Then in Matthew chapter six, verse nine, Jesus said, instead of praying like that, pray like this. And then he gave us one of the most beautiful prayers that's known all throughout the world that people that are Christ followers and non-Christ followers alike know. He gave us the Lord's prayer. So listen to this. That is a beautiful prayer that people all over the world cherish and know. And yet, I think many of us don't understand that there are a lot of controversial parts to this prayer that were in action when Jesus initiated this prayer. For, for Jesus' audience, they would have had a very difficult time with how Jesus recommended we could talk to God and specifically what we could call him. So Jesus said that we could call God Father. Again, that was a huge problem for the Jewish culture that was listening to Jesus teach them how to pray. For them, God wasn't Father. God was holy and separate and distant and and someone to be worshiped and praised from a distance. He was not someone to be called Father. That was way too impersonal and too disrespectful. But Jesus said, We could call God Father. Romans 8, 15 says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. And maybe you've never thought about God as a father before. And that word Abba is a very personal way to call God Father. And it may be, You've had a bad relationship with your father. And here's the thing that we often do uh, based upon our relationships with our dads. We project that onto God. If we've had a bad relationship with our earthly fathers, we think that we're probably gonna have a bad relationship with our heavenly father. But God wants to be a good father to us, a personal caring father to us, not just some God that rules over our lives from a distance. So again, Jesus says we can approach God as father. And then he says, our father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. And that reminds us that when we're talking to God, we need to remember that we should be in awe of him. We need to remember who he is. This is God we're in a relationship with. This is the creator of the universe who has invited us into a personal relationship. He has adopted us into his own family. And now we can call him Abba. We can call him father. We can call him dad. And we need to remember who he is and be in awe of him with all the respect that is due him. In verse 10, Jesus prayed, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now you've probably noticed in your life that God has a will for your life and you have a will for your life. And those two things don't always align with each other. And that is the epic battle for all of us to learn to surrender our will, our plan, our dreams, our desires, 
for God's will in our world. That's the epic battle in my life. Uh, I know God's plans are the best. I know God's will is perfect. And yet, even though I know that, there are moments I still try to assert my plan over God's plan, and that's wrong. We always have to learn to submit our plans, our will for God's will, because God's plans and his will is always perfect. That is a basic overview of the first half of Jesus' prayer, that that Lord's prayer there. And if you look closely at the first half, you'll notice that Jesus focused on who God is. That's how he started that. He said, listen, before you get into your laundry list of things that you need done, focus on who God is. Now, I'll just be honest with you. Many times, that's not how I begin my prayers. Many times I don't begin spending enough time focusing on who God is. I begin by saying, God, here's all the things I need done today. And if you would hurry up and get them done, like I got a lot to do by lunch. Like, can we hurry up and make that happen? That's often how I pray. And Jesus says, wait, wait, slow down. Focus on God and who he is before you get into your laundry list of things that you need done. And there's nothing wrong with telling God what we need. Jesus actually tells us that we can do that here in verse 11. But before we do that, we need to focus on God. So in verse 11, Jesus says, give us today the food that we need. Jesus knows we have legitimate needs. And who does he want us to bring those needs to? It's to God, our Father. And right now, our world has many needs. As we look around the world, there are health needs, there are financial needs, there are economic needs, there are relationship needs, there are all kinds of needs. There are mental health needs, emotional needs, all kinds of needs happening right now. God wants to hear from us. Uh, he wants a personal relationship with us. And that's what a personal relationship is all about. It's about sharing our needs, the things that are a burden to us. And so Jesus says, after you focus on who God is, that he is the great provider, then start talking to him about the real needs that you have in your life. In verse 12, Jesus steps on all of our toes and gets real personal with us. So if you're not wearing any shoes today, I encourage you to pull your feet back under your seat and just be prepared because Jesus is about to go a stomping, all right? So get ready for this. In verse 12, he says, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. So Jesus says, listen, after you focused on God and then you've talked to God about your needs, then take a time out and evaluate your life. How are you doing in your relationship with God? Is there anything you need to confess? Anything going on that's hurting your relationship with God? If so, deal with that. Because if you don't deal with that, it's very hypocritical of us to expect God to answer our prayers and hear our prayers if we're not willing to do what he's asking us to do, if we're not willing to have a right relationship with him. So we need to deal with those things in our own lives. And Jesus said, forgive us our sins in the same way that we have forgiven other people their sins. And when I hear that, I pull my feet under and go, ouch, wow. Do I want uh, God to forgive me based upon how I forgive other people? Uh, The reality is no, 
Because sometimes I struggle with forgiveness. Sometimes I struggle with giving that to people. Sometimes I want to hold a grudge or I, I have thoughts of revenge or I'm just going to be mean to that person. There's all kinds of ways that I struggle through the forgiveness process. And Jesus says, hey, when you're talking to God, you need to be asking and learning how to give forgiveness because that's part of what it means to have a personal relationship with God and people around you that God cares about. So we got to really work on that stuff because in verse 12, Jesus gets real personal with us. And Jesus wraps up this model prayer in verse 13 by saying, and don't let us yield to temptation but rescue us from the evil one. Now, the evil one is a reference to a real being called Satan. And I don't know what you believe about Satan. There are some people that believe he's just a made up Halloween character that maybe some religious leader made up to keep you know, people in line at some point. Um, some people uh, believe in him way too much and think he's possessing everybody that doesn't kind of think the way that they think. There's all kinds of thoughts out there about Satan. But let me tell you why I believe in Satan. Because Jesus believed in Satan. Jesus actually created him, created him as the angel of light, and he actually turned from God and became known as Satan, which means adversary. And we see his evidence, the evidence of his existence all around the world. And when we look around the world and we see crime, we see rape, we see murder, we see human trafficking, we see terrorism, we are seeing evidence of Satan's existence. And so Jesus says, you know what? One thing you need to be praying for is protection against the enemy because the enemy wants to distract you away, tempt you away from a strong growing relationship with your heavenly father. So we need to be careful about the work of the enemy in our lives. That's how Jesus taught us to pray. And let me just remind all of us that that was meant to be a model prayer. It was not meant for us to pray those exact words over and over again, hoping to grow a relationship with God based upon that. Remember, Jesus said, don't pray like that. He said, use this prayer as a model, as an example and make it personal because God is a personal God. And the way that we grow a personal relationship with him is by learning how to pray personally. So we should use that prayer as a way for us to learn how to do that. So that's part one of learning to pray. That's talking to God. Now, the second part I think is the harder part. And that is when we learn how to listen to God. And that is really challenging for a, a lot of us. But listen to what Psalms 46, 10 says about that. It says, be still and know that I am God. I found in my life that the greatest way for me to hear from God is to be still. The problem is in my life and the problem in many of our lives is we are, we are living way too fast of a pace. We've got so many things going on. We're, we're running here to there early morning, late at night. We are so incredibly busy that it's really hard to hear what God is saying. And you know, one of the, the benefits, if we can call that, out of this coronavirus uh, right now is that for a lot of people, we have slowed down our pace significantly. 
Now, that doesn't involve people that are in the medical field, first responders, people that work in restaurants or in grocery stores or truck drivers, and those people are working more now than they have in a long time. And when you see those folks, you should thank them for what they're doing uh, to keep our economy going and keep our lives sustainable. But whether we are working crazy hours or we've got a little bit more free time on our hands, we have to learn how to slow down so we can hear what God is saying to us. I believe that God speaks today in at least four primary ways. I think God speaks through prayer, through people, through circumstances, and through the Bible. Again, through prayer, through people, through circumstances, and through the Bible. So as you're engaging prayer, Maybe God will will put a, a strong thought in your mind as you're praying. Maybe he'll bring a Bible verse to your mind as you're talking to God about something and he'll just remind you and speak to you through scripture in that conversation. Maybe God will use people. Maybe there'll be somebody else in your life that'll speak a word of truth to you in a moment when you're looking for direction. Maybe God will open a door or close a door in your life and that's how he uses circumstances to guide us and and speak to us in life. But I think the primary way that God speaks today is through his written word. And that's why it's so important for us to become lifelong students of the Bible because that's how God speaks. If we wanna know what God thinks about a subject, there are so many subjects that God has spoken about in scripture that we can learn about. We just gotta learn how to read scripture and apply that to our lives. We're gonna talk about that more next week. But the more we learn those four things, the more we'll be growing in our relationship with God and really learning how to listen to him. Jesus said in John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So if you're a Christ follower, do you hear God's voice on a regular basis? Do you hear him whispering to you like the good shepherd guiding his sheep in where they should go? If you don't hear him enough, let me suggest that maybe you need to slow down a little bit more. Maybe there's some things you need to carve out of your life so that you can spend some time just listening to God. Maybe we need to talk a little bit less to God and just give him space to speak to us. So that's the first G. And it involves talking and listening to God through prayer. And I know I've covered a lot of information today. So let me just remind you, it's a model prayer that we should be practicing on a daily basis. We should acknowledge who God is. We should remind ourselves that God has a will for our lives. We should tell God what we need. We should ask his forgiveness. We should give forgiveness. And then we should pray for protection. And the more we practice that, The more we talk to God, the stronger of a relationship that we're going to have with him. Now, let me address a few issues or questions that people often ask about prayer, and then we'll, we'll close for today. Now, some people ask, is there like a best time to pray? Like, am I supposed to pray at a specific time, like maybe in the morning, or is it better to pray in the afternoon when I'm more awake? Is it better to pray at night before I go to bed? Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. He said, never stop praying. 
He's saying, listen, we got to learn to pray all the time. And that means we can pray when we wake up. That means we can pray all throughout the day. When we go to bed, there are lots of opportunities for us to pray. And that's how we actually grow a relationship with God is by learning to talk to him all day long. But here's something that I found that's beneficial for my life. I found it's beneficial to pick a specific time to pray every day. And so for me, I'm, I'm a morning person. So when I get up, that's the first thing that I try to do is spend time praying and reading scripture, just having a conversation with God. And when I start my day that way, my day usually goes a whole lot better because I have God's perspective as I head into the day. And on the days that I don't do that, the days that I feel like I'm so busy, I just got to rush into the day, my day just doesn't go real well because I've got my perspective throughout the day, not God's perspective. So I try to pray in the morning to get my day started in the right way. Now, if you're the kind of person that needs uh, to have three cups of coffee before you talk to anybody, then have your coffee before you talk to God. Uh, Just make sure you're awake and you're ready to go. And whether that's morning, whether that's in the afternoon, whether that's in the evening, then you find that time and just carve out a little time and just dedicate that to talking and listening to God. Some people ask this, they wonder like, is there a right posture for prayer? Like, am I supposed to fold my hands a certain way? You know, when you see, you know, those, those famous pictures about prayer, usually somebody's praying with their hands like this. Is that how we're supposed to pray? Are we supposed to, you know, cl- clasp our hands this way? Do we have to have our heads bowed, our eyes closed? Like, what are we supposed to be doing? Well, as you read through scripture, there are many different postures of prayer. There are some people who prayed prostrate on the ground. They just laid flat on the ground to to praise God and to cry out to him. There are moments that Jesus prayed by standing, having his arms open, looking up, his eyes open. He's looking into heaven, speaking to his heavenly father. So that tells us that there are all kinds of ways to pray. There's no just specific way to do that. You can pray again in the morning. You can pray as you're going to bed. You can pray as you're going to work. You can pray throughout the day at work. Uh, There are many opportunities for us to pray and there are all kinds of positions that we can pray in. So don't get caught up in a right position or wrong position. Just learn how to pray. That's what God wants. Again, that's what it means to have a personal relationship with him is that we learn to have a conversation with him all the time and all throughout the day. So there's no specific right posture for prayer. Now, for those of you who are interested in this, we have a great opportunity for you to learn how to grow in prayer. And it is through our 40 days of prayer, small group experience. And we are actually offering that online right now. So it's a seven week experience where you can learn how to pray with a group of other people. And since we're doing it online, you can do that from the beauty of your own home. And uh, all you have to do is go to our website, theepicchurch.com and find our signups tab and look for 40 days of prayer. And when you find that, then uh, register there. Someone will reach out to you and let you know how that's gonna unfold. I think we'll be doing that in the next few weeks. I hope you'll participate in that. Now, as we close, let me address those of you who are very familiar with prayer. So those of you who are in that spot, maybe you've listened to today's message and you've thought, you know, yeah, yeah, like I know all that. And if so, great. My question for you is, are you applying 
that. It's so easy to get familiar with prayer and then to distance ourselves from it, to know the right thing, and then at, in moments of our lives to not do the right thing and not talk to God. Maybe we get hurt, maybe we get upset with him and so we distance ourselves. Maybe we get too busy and like, I know I gotta talk to God. I know how to, how to do that and yet we're just too distracted by life to do that. So I just wanna ask, like, are you engaging a deep conversation with God on a daily basis? That is what he's asking. If you'd say, yes, I'm doing that, great. Great. I have uh, actually am going to post on our spiritual growth challenge and at the end of our message today, I have a, uh, a prayer from Psalms 139. That is a deep, challenging prayer that I encourage you to read today and then pray every day this week. And as you do that, I, I think God is going to stretch you in new ways And he's going to speak to you in some powerful ways as you pray that prayer. So if you're in that spot where you're familiar with prayer, I encourage you, take your prayer life to a new level by praying through the verses I'm going to give you in Psalms 139. It'll stretch you in some really big ways. Now, next week, we are going to look at our second G, and that's the grow factor. How do we grow in our relationship with God through scripture? So we'll look at that next week. So before uh, we get into our study questions for today, let me pray. And then I hope you'll engage some great discussion with those that may be with you or engage that online as well. So let's pray together. God, I'm so grateful to know that you are, are a personal God. You want a personal relationship with us. You actually want to talk to us on an individual basis. Uh, You want to hear from us and you want to speak to us. And Lord, in order to do that, we've got to learn how to talk to you. We've got to learn how to listen to you. And Jesus, I thank you for showing us in scripture how we can do that. So Lord, may we practice that this week and the rest of our lives. And Lord, I know that there are some people listening today that are brand new to praying and maybe they've never really uh, uh, dove into that in their own lives. So Lord, I pray that you would help them as they're taking those early steps and learning to talk to you. Lord, maybe there are others that have had a a great prayer life, a great uh, relationship with you, and maybe it's, it's drifted. Lord, I pray that they would get back to talking to you again. I pray that they would confess whatever they need to confess and they would get in a right relationship with you once more. And Lord, maybe there's some others here that have a good relationship with you and yet you're calling them to a better relationship an even deeper relationship. So Lord, I pray that as we pray through Psalms 139, Lord, that we would feel you stretching us and speaking to us in new ways that are gonna take our relationship to new places that it's not been before. Thanks for being a God who's personal and wants to talk to us. In Jesus' name, amen.